This is part two of two of my discussion with Dr. Joseph Wiener about motivational interviewing. Part one was an introduction to motivational interviewing, so definitely check that out first. And in this part, we specifically apply it to addressing vaccine hesitancy. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. There are a lot of podcasts out there. Murder mysteries, breaking news, There's even a podcast about garden gnomes. Garden gnomes! But instead, you're here, learning how to be the best physician you can be. Smart move. Do you know what else is a smart move? Working a locum tenens assignment with Comp Health. Now, I know what you're thinking. You already have a job. But that's the best part. You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income. Or you can work locums full-time, too. And to top it all off, Locums almost always pays more on average. Just head to financialresidency.com slash comphealth and see what Locums can do for you financially. Motivational debriefing has preceded the existence of SARS-CoV-2 and has been used in the parents of newborns, and it's shown to be very effective. And so Mm -hmm. now we want to pivot and use it in adults who are vaccine hesitant in the same way. So how do we start even start that conversation? A lot of us, and and I encourage all of our listeners to do that, we should be asking all of our patients about it, right? Yeah. Like you're in for an ear infection. I'm still going to ask you if you plan to get the vaccine. You're in for a sinus infection. You've got a, I mean, maybe not a neck mask because then we're worried about cancer. Uh, Stay on topic. But for something where it's really not, not a, potentially grave illness, I'm going to be bringing it up. And yeah. so I think all of us should be doing it. How do we do it? Yeah, there are two ways to do it. Either a patient will raise it to you. You know, what are your thoughts about these COVID vaccines? Or a patient raised it to me over the weekend. You know, I have mixed feelings about getting this COVID vaccine. Or you could raise it to the patient, you know, given that there is the availability for COVID vaccines. I am checking in with all my patients to see what their thoughts are about that. And all of those are very natural ways to to pivot into the discussion. But open-ended, what are your thoughts? Not, do you plan to get it? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about it? Right. And that's an example of ORS, right? An open-ended question. Because depending on their thoughts, they're going to guide where this discussion will go. If you say, are you planning to get it? And they say no. Well, what are you going to say about that? Well, like you could tell me, you could say, well, how come? Already it's a little bit of a adversarial engagement. If you start with, well, what are your thoughts about that? you, the patient can say, you know, I think it's, I don't want to be a guinea pig. And you could say, well, I'd like to hear more about that. So if one is that, I mean, that, that sounds so, I mean, I'd like to hear, I would have trouble making that roll off my tongue. I'd uh like to hear more about that. It, you know, to me, it sounds a little scripted. Uh 
How would you say it then? What would I don't, work? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't have a better answer. You know, like, so, well, let's, yeah, go ahead, Brett. So what are your thoughts on the vaccine or on yeah. the vaccines? And then they say, well, I think it came out too quickly. And I might say, well, some people feel that way. What leads you to that belief? And they may tell me, and then I might say, well, what what have some patients said to you, Brad? So look, do you want to dialogue this a yeah, little bit? Yeah, yeah that please. would be good, right? Yeah. All right. So, so I'm not so too sure. I, I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, at, you know, since COVID vaccines are out now, I check in with all my patients and just to see what their thoughts are. So I, I wonder what your thoughts are about getting a vaccine. I'm not so sure. I, I just think it came out too quickly. Huh. And so what I'm hearing is that you want to make sure that any vaccine you get is safe. Yeah, it just seems like every other vaccine took a long time to develop. And this one just came out so quickly. There, there has to be some reason why this one came out faster than the rest of them. And I, you know, I don't think I trust it. Yeah, you're concerned that it was rushed. Yeah. And have you read anything about what led to the ability to make this vaccine so quickly? No, I just saw, you know, I just can't believe that it, it just makes me suspicious that it came out so fast. It, it has been developed so quickly. You're absolutely right. A lot faster than the majority, the vast majority of other vaccines have been produced. And that is hard to take in. May I share with you the reasons why we have been able to make this vaccine so quickly? And I would go ahead and I would explain that in a way that's syntonic with health literacy and cultural beliefs and language and all of those other things that are important in uh, medical education, uh, educating our patients. So I did a few things there. Could we go over that and, and see what how I began that discussion? Please, it just, to me, having gone from taking apps off my phone to a potentially life-saving vaccine or a life-saving vaccine, the conversation regarding the apps on my phone just seems so much was so much longer than our very brief conversation about the vaccine. You know, like, it seems like we just went, our conversation was similar to other conversations I've had with my patients. I don't know. It just, I, I find it so unlikely that I got it right. Oh, well, you, well, know? you may have, who knows, because you're super smart and well, I will you. tell everybody Brad is super <laughs> smart because Brad sent me the questions he was going to ask me today and he did an amazing job putting together really sophisticated questions. So you may have gotten it right. And based on our discussion, you are uh, very thoughtful and empathetic. So I think that's important to say because one doesn't, there's a lot of stuff. If you have the spirit, you kind of can get a lot of motivational interviewing. What I would say is, well, our discussion about vaccination didn't end with me educating you because you still may have a lot of hesitancy. So I might explain to you, well, you know, this is how they made it so quickly. We talk about how it's easy to make or easier to make RNA vaccines and that this was built on 10 years of research. And, you know, we were all waiting for ready, set, go. And, you know, it was in production and, the, and they were 
while they were testing the vaccine, they were producing vaccines and the government made an investment in buying vaccine. You know, we go through all of those things. And then at the end, I might say to you and, and be one of your patients again. So, so what are your thoughts about how we were able to make the, this vaccine so quickly? Well, and this is where I get stuck. I still don't know. Uh-huh. You know, like, ah, like I, I feel like I'm right there with them. And then, I don't know, I still don't know. Well, tell me what your hesitancy is. Tell me more. I just still feel, I still feel like I can't trust it. I just want to wait. Yeah. I just want to wait. Okay, you want to wait. And what would you want to wait to see? I just want other people to get it first. You know, I don't want to be the guinea pig. Yeah. And so you, you don't want something bad to happen to you. You value your health. And so on one hand, I know you don't want to get COVID. Actually, I would say it the other way. I apologize. On one hand, you don't want to have a bad side effect from this vaccine. On the other hand, you don't want to get COVID. So you have a bit of a dilemma, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't know what this vaccine would do to my body two or five years from now. You know, they don't know and they're not going to know until five years from now. You know, I don't want to end up on some, you know, like that that commercial I see about mesothelioma. You know, those people got exposed to it. Now they're part of a class action lawsuit. Yes. And so for some kinds of medicines, stuff comes out after two or three or five years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Now, what did I just do? I emphasize what's called sustained talk. You want to do that as little as possible, but we have not established enough of a connection yet for me to continue to pursue change talk, in my opinion. There might be, uh, Dr. Rolnick may say, you know, I, uh, Joe, you just blew it there. You shouldn't have gone in that direction. But I, I, I'm making a clinical decision to really legitimize your concerns because they're legitimate concerns. You know, what's gonna happen five years from now, you're gonna get Kuchi disease from, <laughs> you know, getting this vaccine. So I would say, yeah, well, a lot of people are concerned about it. And would it be okay if we talk about the pros and cons of the dilemma that you're in? Yeah, please. And so that dilemma that I emphasize, that's another kind of reflective statement. On one hand, and I say the sustained talk, you don't want to have a side effect from this vaccine. On the other hand, you don't want to get COVID. And so I'm going to start with the reasons why you don't want to get the vaccine. And then I'm going to end with the reasons why you may want to get the vaccine. Because if you end on the positive, it's more likely that somebody will take that as they think things through, the positive aspects of it. Now, you asked also asked my permission to continue talking about it. I could see a scenario where the patient says, you know what, I, no, I just don't want to, I'm just not going to get it, you know, like, yeah, the, and they just shut it down. Yeah. And so that goes to the acceptance part of the spirit of MI and, and you have to decide how you're going to approach that. You may approach it simply by saying, this sounds like not the right time for you to discuss this. And you might say, yeah, really, I just don't want to get into it. I'm not in the mood. I, everybody's bugging me to get this vac vaccine. And you might say, well, I, you know, I respect that. You'll be the decision maker. Or you might say, yeah, I respect that. You'll be the decision maker. We don't have to talk about it. If you wish, we could talk about what everybody's telling you that's bugging you. 
we could decide to take it one step further and assess, am I gonna piss this person off more than it's worth? Or do we wanna hang it? And it's tough because you get COVID, not only do you have a small percent chance of dying, but then there are also the morbidities that can be chronic and really mess up somebody's life. And so you have to decide as the clinician how far you're going to push this. And where this leads in motivational interviewing is as clinicians, the majority of us, not all of us, believe it's good to get the vaccine. There are some doctors that believe I'm going to wait, right? Exactly. So it's not like smoking and lung cancer. There are some of our colleagues that are saying, I'm going to wait. And so it's really, you may feel that it's good to get the vaccine, but the acceptance of where the patient is at, and that leads to the question, you know, I'm very, I'm very interested. I'd like to hear what your reluctance is. And that gets to, if you want to use stages of change, pre-contemplation, you and I have a different point of view. What's your point of view? I really want to know that. And so that's also an example of engaging or connecting with the patient. So let's say, as you're saying, uh, no, I've had enough. I don't want to talk about it. You make that decision. But let's say I say to you, I'd like to hear more about your distrust, you know, given the science of what we discussed. And you're concerned that in two or three or five years, you may have a, a bad effect. What have you heard about? What have you read? What are your thoughts? What might happen down the road? I don't know the answer because I haven't I haven't taken any anyone down this down this road uh, down this road. So I'm not sure what the the answer might be. I don't know whether they're going to get. I, I think the answer is just is going to be around the unknown, right? Yeah. I just don't know what it could do. I yeah. don't know what it could do, and I don't know how anyone could know because it hasn't been around for that long. Yeah. And so then what I would do is the following. Okay. What the scientists say is when this little thing, this message that we inject into your arm, it gets taken up by the cells. It tells your cells, make this little part of the virus, not the whole virus, this little part. So the body now is on guard. And if the virus gets into your system, damn, we're going to attack it. But after that little message gets into your cell, the cell breaks it down. It's not there anymore. It's gone. And, and there's nothing, it has nothing to do with the body anymore. Now, I, I think in, my, in the back of my mind, could somebody have an autoimmune reaction five years from now, 10 years? I don't know. I'm not an immunologist. The immunologists that are listening are going to call up and say, what did you have the psychiatrist on for? <laughs> because he doesn't know any immunology. And so I really don't know the answer. I wouldn't know how to respond to that. I would just simply say it's broken down by the body. And what scientists think is that there are clearly, we do know the short-term effects, what will happen five years from now, we do know the effects of having COVID, and we do know the short-term effects of the virus. Could we talk about that, what we do know? And so I would shift it from what we don't know and say, this is what we think now. We could only tell you what we think and then what we do know. And then I would say to the patient, would you like to hear what we do know about the short-term effects? And I would take them through that. And I would be happy to say of the millions of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, and all the immunologists will call in, never have a psychiatrist signing that of the millions of people who have been vaccinated, not one person has died from COVID. From, that's my understanding. 
and now one per yeah of the millions who have been back isn't that unbelievable and i would say you're worried about an unknown five years you know potential side effect that's taking a risk and then we think about the risk of not getting infected we've had 460,000 or more people in the United States that have died. And then I go through the long-term implications without lecturing. I would keep asking, may I share with you this? May I share with you that? And then I would say, well, and, and may I share with you what the side effects that we do know are? And I would say, you're, you, have a va- you have a valid point of view that some people don't want to risk having these unknown side effect that may or may not happen in five years. And so that's on one hand. On the other hand, this is what we do know. And so how do you, given that you value your health, how are you taking that in? Like given that that you want to focus on your kids, how are you taking that in? It's the same thing over and over. You want to stay safe. You want to stay safe. The vaccine makes you nervous because you're not sure if you will remain safe by getting the vaccine. But now that I told you that not getting the vaccine could make you less safe because of what we talked about with the virus, what are your, th- is that, does, is that yeah, a reasonable way to put it? Exactly. You're okay. trying to help them sort through their dilemma. Yeah. It's, it, it, so people, we could, in terms of complex decisions, complicated decisions, we could assume that the person standing in front of you is ambivalent, that they will have mixed feelings. Now, it used to be that there would be a lot in motivational interviewing that a lot of effort would have been taken to evoke both sides of the ambivalence. And what has been found is that if you spend too much time evoking the sustained talk, meaning I don't want to, I shouldn't, I won't, all that, it kind of people dig in their heels. If you devote more time evoking the change talk, there'll be more flexibility. And so I and where you need to establish a relationship with someone, you do need to acknowledge their point of view. And so that's acknowledging the sustained talk. I don't want to be a guinea pig. But we then spent a lot of time talking about the other side of your ambivalence, not my ambivalence. This is the ambivalence that you presented as the hypothetical patient as the patient. So the CDC recommends that we use specific language when we're talking about the vaccine. And they they say this on their website specifically, quote, I strongly recommend, right? Yeah. I haven't heard you say that. That's correct. Yeah. You haven't heard me say it yet. Yet. So (laughs) where does that, it does it because that to me sounds more paternal. It sounds more authoritarian. It sounds like we've made the decision and taken it away from the patient by, I strongly recommend that you get this. Whereas, you know, we started the conversation with, what are your thoughts? So does that language, I strongly recommend play or not? Because you said yet, which makes me think that it does play a role. Where do we weave that in? Yeah, so uh, thank you. It's a great question. And sorry, just to include this all in the same thought, they also state that we should assume they are getting vaccinated when we bring it up which is not, that seems in contrast yeah. to what you said. You know, these two things that, that they're recommending, are we going to be agreeing with them by the end of this conversation? Yeah, yeah. Well, these are terrific. I could just give it my best shot and a- answer both questions. So let's see, question number one, 
I would not start a discussion saying, well, we have the COVID vaccine, and so I want to talk to you about setting up an appointment. That doesn't make any sense based on everything we just said, because the patient's going to react in one of several ways. And we didn't articulate this fully when we talked about psychological reactants. You'll see one of several reactions. One patient may not say anything and nod and not show up for the COVID vaccine appointment. So they'll just nod. A second patient may start to push back. Whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm not getting a vaccine. A third patient may just, (laughs) they just may withdraw and think I'm not coming back to this doctor again, right? And then then a a fourth patient, well, you know, may agree with you, but on, you know, less likely than the others. So there are the common reactions to the parental approach. And so it doesn't make sense to start off a discussion like that. However, let's say we have this whole long discussion and I'm educating you about the uh, messenger RNA and how it works and bada bing, bada boom, all of that. We get to the end and you say, well, I'm still not really hot about getting this vaccine. You may say, may I give you my recommendation and what I've done myself? So you could ask permission to give a recommendation. And when you get permission to give a recommendation, the person is exercising their autonomy by allowing you to give your recommendation. If the person says, no, I really don't want to hear your recommendation, what is the <laughs> likelihood that if you give your recommendation, they're going to say, well, now that you mention it, I will get <laughs> vaccinated. And so we're being practical in, in how motivational interviewing evolved to begin with, like, one could say, I strongly recommend, but under what circumstances? So when, so I, <laughs> and I'll actually read you an email a patient sent to me just today. She was, to use this vernacular, contemplative and terrified about getting the COVID vaccine. I, we had a motivational interviewing discussion and, and uh, where was I going with this? I uh, distracted myself with this uh, email I'm about to read. And oh, it's God. okay that you isn't, uh, you know, it's patient's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. Thank you, Brad. At least there are, at least between the two of us, you, you'll remind me what I was going to say. And so I, I said, well, may I share my point of view about it? May I share my recommendation? She said, sure. I said, I, if there's a vaccine available, I would jump on it. I, I don't speak like I would strongly recommend it, like strong, I'm going to bi- pump my biceps, I'll be right back, I'm going to do some push-up. I, I, I speak in a language that my patient, look, I would jump on it. And I speak it from my heart, right? I would jump on it. And may I share why? And I would try to integrate it into their medical history and their life circumstances. And they may say, well, why? And I might say, you know, you're taking care of your mom and you're putting yourself at risk to get COVID and get her sick, I would try to personalize the recommendation. Or, you know, you've had uh, kidney disease for a while, you're on dialysis, and you'd be at greater risk. I'm just sharing with you my thoughts as your doctor who cares about you when we are thinking about the dilemma you're in. And I would go back to the dilemma on one hand, You don't want a bad thing to happen with the vaccine. On the other hand, you really want to take good care of your health. So I'd frame it that way. Would I assume everyone's going to get vaccinated? No, because not everybody is going to get vaccinated. You know, let's get real. And let's say we're not a physician that's offering the vaccine, right? We're still in this place where 
Not that many people have access to it. Not that many people qualify for it. And physicians aren't, it's not like it's a doctor's office right now. How do we wrap up the conversation with an action, right? Because this is where we try to take it. We end it, you, you said, end it on the positive, right? Like you're not going to end it with reasons they wouldn't get the vaccine. You're going to end it with reasons they should get the vaccine. And then you want to, and correct me if I'm wrong, you want to end it with an action step, with, with something that they're going to do. So if it's not their turn to get the vaccine, how do you, what's the action? What can we have them do? Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Well, I would say two, two things to, connected to that question. Thing number one would be, let's say they're not ready to get the vaccine, even if it was available. I would say, well, may I share with you a way if you uh, become ready to get a vaccine, how you could check and how you could get one. Like, here's a resource for you to see who offers the vaccine and when you would become available. When it right. Would so like the New York State Department of Health guide, you know, website yeah, for exactly. who qualifies, uh, you exactly. know, check this regularly. And this is where you'll see where you can get and when you qualify. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if they're not ready, I'm giving that that resource. And I would also say, would it be okay the next time you see me, you know, and I might schedule like, well, I'd really like to see this person in a month and see if I could continue to talk with them about greater acceptance of, you know, since we met last, have you given this any thought and see if they were open to seeing me again in a month? Would you would be okay if you came back and we talked about it again in a month? And some people would say, no, not really. Some people would say yes, but at least you're, you know, you're keeping your foot in the door. And then for the people that already, yeah, I'd get, I'd give that New York State website, I'd give them a resource. I might explain, you know, the different levels of groups one through four and where they might likely fit in. And, and if there is any, now I would imagine people from all over the country and maybe even other countries listening to this podcast. So whatever resource is available in your locality, I would certainly provide to, to your patient. Yes, we happen to live about 20 minutes from each other. So they, <laughs> they might not all have the Nassau County Department of Health website as the place for them to go to. Yes, there are, there are international listeners to, to this podcast. So yeah. to the international listeners and the local listeners, any parting tips for mo either motivational interviewing in general or motivational interviewing specifically for vaccine acceptance? For motivational interviewing in general, I would suggest that you read Miller and Rolnick's book called Motivational Interviewing, if you want to learn more about it, and, and or you could go on the M-I-N-T website. Let me get the URL for you. Maybe mint.org, but let's see. No, it's not that. It'll take you to some spam. It, mint stands for Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. So now Mint Budget Tracker and Planner, Motivational Interviewing. Uh, I think it's motivationalinterviewing.org. Oh, and there you yes. go. That makes motivationalinterviewing.org. That's, and so you could go on that and they'll have some resources where you could learn more about uh, motivational interviewing, or you can Google motivational interviewing. You'll see a lot of videos. Steve Rolnick and Bill Miller have some really good video, YouTube videos where you could see them demonstrate the skills of motivational interviewing. Fantastic. 
Dr. Joseph Weiner, thank you so much for taking all this time to teach us about motivational interviewing for vaccine acceptance. And we could go on for hours like this. I could listen to this. I, I could have these conversations with you for hours because this is really at the heart of the premise of the podcast is everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle, because this was not taught when I was in medical school, but yeah. this is, you are now teaching this. Yeah. In, is it in re to residents or to medical students that you're teaching this? Uh, to, me to medical students. So it's being yeah. taught in medical. So that's, you know, it's really fantastic. That's going to be, it's going to improve the dialogue of all of the subsequent conversation of all the subsequent practitioners that come out with the, the knowledge that this is out there. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I didn't learn it in medical school either. So we all learn as we go along and it's a super gratifying to come on here. I really am honored by the opportunity, Brad. Well, thank you very much. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks a bunch. Have a great evening, everyone. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block.